This is a Music Therapy Chronicles podcast episode with Laura Elliott Buckner. It's it's been a whirlwind, just like people don't tell you what their boundaries are until you cross them, and then it, it makes everybody uncomfortable. It makes you feel bad because you crossed the boundary and you didn't want to hurt somebody. And then it makes the other person feel bad because they felt uncomfortable because you crossed the boundary. You know, so and that's not professional, but in like personal life as well. People need to like communicate. Wonder how much healthier the world would be if on like the second time hanging out, you sit down and you, maybe not the first time meeting someone, but like the second time you're hanging out with them, you sit down and you say, okay, this is what our relationship is going to look like we have this relationship this relationship or if you have a dual relationship that gets super messy and then it's helpful to have those conversations even if you don't flat out say this is my boundary um but if you say stuff like oh yeah you could definitely text me about x y and z or hey please text me about this or email me about this You're listening to the Music Therapy Chronicles, a podcast about music therapy from a variety of perspectives. Our ambition is to inspire and connect listeners through meaningful conversations, just like a music therapy conference you can listen to anywhere. My name is Trisha Kayati. I'm your weekly host and a board-certified music therapist from the New England region. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe so you never miss an episode and consider leaving us a rating and review. We really appreciate them. You can find more podcast episodes, links to our pod courses, the self-care community, links to all of our social media, and get on our monthly newsletter all at musictherapychronicles.com. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to this show today. And you can always reach me by sending an email to hello at musictherapychronicles.com. All right, Laura, welcome to, or welcome back to the Music Therapy Chronicles. Hey, I'm back. (laughs) It's nice to have you back. It's been a little while. Let's see. I wrote down that your episode was 156 was the last time you were on. So do you want to start off and just tell people what you've been up to since then? And for anyone who missed that, you can just. Yeah. I am Laura Elliot Buckner. I go by Laura or Elliot and they, them pronouns. Um, I finished my internship, got board certified. Um, I've been working in the field, um, not full time, unfortunately, um, having to do several other part time jobs to make ends meet, like door dashing and babysitting. But that that's how it goes. You know, that's how it goes. I'm doing the things. And um, yeah, those of you who missed the last episode, go listen to it. We talked about intersectionality of being a music therapy intern and also being autistic and queer and hard of hearing and 
part of all of these marginalized communities. Great episode. I'm not just saying that because I'm in it. I'm saying it because we had some good content. So it was a good conversation. Mm-hmm. I have re-listened to it a couple times and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm on this podcast. I'm like really cool. Of course you are. <laughs> yeah. That's really what's been going on, just working and I'm in my last semester of coursework and I'm starting my thesis. So I'm almost done with my master's degree. Congratulations. That's so So exciting. I am aiming to finish by December. And then if I, if it does take me an extra semester and I finish next May, I'm not going to be mad, but I'm aiming to finish by December. Yeah. And for anyone who doesn't know, is your master's music therapy or is it something else? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a music therapy. Yeah. Yeah. So you can tell me, this is kind of like a side topic, but before we started recording you and on this recording, you mentioned like, yeah, I'm doing some other things too, to try and like make ends meet. And I know that that's a conversation that's been coming up a lot in my life with other music therapists recently about like, we say this profession is hard. We say it's a growing profession. We, we put that, um, that expectation out there. But I think for people joining the profession for young professionals, they don't necessarily get to see behind the curtain of what that reality really looks like. Yeah, it's been hard. Not gonna lie. It's been hard. I don't want to get into like all of the details, but it's just, I am glad that the majority of my income comes from music therapy my contract work and then my TA position at the university I go to, but it's still like I'm door dashing. I mean, you can make good money on DoorDash. I'm not going to lie. I, I did that for three hours before I hopped on this Zoom call. Oh, wow. And it was good. That breakfast crowd, you know, <laughs> they really be, they really be getting on their phones, ordering food. And then I go, go get it and give it. It's easy. And, you know, but yeah, I wish I didn't have to do that. <laughs> yeah. So, I, go ahead. That's not meant to be like a discourager to anybody. That's just like to let you know, like when you start out, it, especially when you're starting, it's going to be really hard mm-hmm. because you're, you're new to the profession. You're still learning there's so much ways you can grow. And so you might not have a big clientele. So, and you're going to mess up and make mistakes. I know I have, and then it's really awkward, but it's important to like recognize that and have those conversations with people and get that professional feedback. And then, you know, it's just a lot of stuff when you're, first starting out you know and this is like my first time being like I'm like almost 100% financially independent from my parents now it's only taken till I'm 25 but you know but then I have to remember to cut myself some slack because I am disabled I I forget that sometimes Mm -hmm. and then I'm like oh well there's a reason why I'm not doing this this and this is because I literally cannot do this this and this (laughs) so yeah that was kind of so, a, a little long-winded sidebar, you know. 
Yeah, that'd be an interesting episode in itself to get multiple people to just chime in on their experience with that and making ends meet. Um, But that kind of ties into you said, you know, we make mistakes, we need professional advice and like to continue growing. And sometimes there's just discomfort with that. And so the bulk of our conversation today, you wanted to talk about boundaries. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Tell us. So here we go. As an autistic person, I have a long history with struggles with boundaries. I used to even be afraid to hear the word or say the word. Mm-hmm. Like my therapist and I, we'd have a code word of, of if we said that word, that's what boundary that's meant boundaries. But I was like afraid to say the word because I had like previous trauma when I was in high school with mm-hmm. someone crossing a boundary and me getting hurt. So that kind of and I would, I crossed boundaries too, but like, I didn't even know those boundaries were there. Mm. That's a big thing. Like people, especially in the professional, like work setting with your employers or your contractees or whoever you're working for, they may have boundaries, but they don't tell you what they are until you've crossed them. And that's, And then it's really awkward and then it makes you feel like shit. And then, oops, we're gonna have explicit warning, you know, Um, but it makes you feel like shit. And then you just feel like you suck and you don't know how to move forward sometimes and you get stuck in your head. At least that's been my experience because I've had people who I thought we had this type of relationship and then the next day they're like, we need to keep our digital communications professional. And I was like, you're the one who added me on Facebook. So, Mm. but yeah, that's, that's a really big thing because people just don't think about that. And especially as an autistic person, I don't read social cues. Like I don't, I, I try. And the ones that I know are ones that I've like practiced and that I've like studied people or that I've learned them because I'm around that person so much. But if I'm just meeting someone, I don't know what they're thinking or how they're thinking, or I don't, I don't know how to pick up on that. And then, then you have, they have to say, well, actually, please don't talk to me outside of work and I'm like okay cool no one's actually said that but it's it's been a whirlwind just like people don't tell you what their boundaries are until you've crossed them and then it it makes everybody uncomfortable Mm. it makes you feel bad because you crossed the boundary and you didn't want to hurt somebody and then it makes the other person feel bad because they felt uncomfortable because you crossed their boundary you know so and that's not professional but in like personal life as well people need to like communicate wonder how much healthier the world would be if on like the second time hanging out you sit down and you maybe not the first time meeting someone but like the second time you're hanging out with them you sit down and you say okay this is what our relationship is going to look like we have this relationship this relationship or if you have a dual relationship that gets super messy Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it, it's helpful to have those conversations, even if you don't flat out say this is my boundary. 
Um, but if you say stuff like, oh yeah, you could definitely text me about X, Y, and Z, or hey, please text me about this or email me about this. So last semester I was a TA for a part-time instructor and she praised me on my boundaries. And I was like, hey, because I normally suck at them. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I suck at them setting them for myself. Then I suck at them sometimes crossing them, you know, because I don't know what they are. Yeah. How can you, you know, you know? But I was a TA and one of the people that was in my class was actually one of my friends because we had been in class before together. Like we were peers. Mm. And then now there was this dual relationship of she's now my student, but she's also one of my best friends. So how do we navigate that? And then I like we were texting about the class. And then finally, I just said, okay. We're not going to text or talk on the phone about class. We will email about class. If you want to talk about anything else, like all of the stuff that's going on in your life and yada, 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 call me and text me about that 100%. But we are going to move that to my email. And I have my email on my phone. I'm very good at not checking it. I've become better at that. Like whenever it's time to not check it, I will not check it. And then when it is time to check it, I'll check it. But put it on my phone. You can email me even if it's an emergency because it is on my phone. And I'll be able to see like the first sentence of the email. Mm-hmm. You know. And that worked out. That worked out pretty well. That worked out really good for me because it was just good practice in like having that uncomfortable conversation. So, yeah. It's it's really uncomfortable both in your personal life and your professional life. Yeah. It sounds like you, I love how you navigated that in a way though, that wasn't like you can't reach out to me about school at all, or we can't be friends while you're in my class. Like, I think that's awesome that you were able to find not even a gray area, but you were able to find a way that made both of those things work. So you can maintain both those relationships. Um, And I think you know, I'm biased, but I think like, that's a great way to do it. You know, your school emails, like as a TA are on your email, you have that record. It's more professional. You can go back to them if you need to. Um, and then nothing like about your conversations about class get lost. Cause you had a phone call and then you, you know, someone forgets to follow right. up or whatever. So yeah, I think that's awesome. Cause I've definitely had relationships. I'm thinking back to, I had a friend in college who then became an RA And part of the, or no, she was an RD. So like the next step up, part of the expectation was she had to cut off all communication with people who lived in her dorm. So like no more social media, no more texting, no more calling. We could only interact with her about um, dorm related things. And like, she is a person I have not reconnected with to this day. Cause like, that's just kind of what happened. Um, And not for like, that wasn't her. That was just yeah, that was just the rule. Yeah. Yeah. But, it, you know, it's kind of like, well, that's, that's really too bad that, um, that that's the way the cookie crumbled in that situation. So I'm really glad that you were able to find an alternative. And the, the professors too, they were really, really good about like understanding that dual relationship between yeah. friend because they, they would not like, of course, the TA and the professor are going to talk about the students. 
you know, but we mostly did not talk about that one, except mm-hmm. we needed to, you know, um, because they just like, I just, they just respected that I kind of, I would grade, I'd grade her practice blogs and then help her with whatever she needed in the class, you know, give her a little bit of extra support if she needed it. But I kind of didn't want to have those conversations with other professionals unless there was needed, you know? So I thought that was, that was really good that they like respected that too, because they didn't expect me to like in the, it's not like, like how with your, your friend was like, they told her, they're like, you can't, you know, it's done. She didn't really have a choice. Like they respected my decision and they were really proud of me and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think that what you're experiencing, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that there's a lot of music therapists in that situation where they do undergrad, they decide to stay in the same area or at the same school for their graduate degree, potentially like right after without a break in between. And it's likely that you will have some of that overlapping. Um, And because in your situation, like you two are in the same profession, that's an awesome relationship to maintain when you both graduate to be able to be colleagues and, and collaborate, you know, with, with my example, we were in different professions, but we still could have been colleagues and collaborate on other things. So, um, yeah, I wonder if that's like a thing within our field where we're kind of just like, I don't want to use the word lenient, but understanding of like, you know, sometimes things get a little wishy-washy and we make it work. And, um, um, as the whole, we like to keep like this music therapy family, uh, communicating and like in each other's lives in whichever way is is best yeah I I I totally agree um and I like I I don't necessarily dislike the word lenient Hmm. it's just that it tends to have a negative connotation or a certain connotation yeah that you're just like if someone says, oh, I'm lenient with the rules, then you let people bend the rules all the time. No. I think also another way would put it would be that we're gracious. Ooh, I like that. Yes. We're gracious with our boundaries um, because we're all human and we understand that people all have like human needs. Yeah. 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 Especially with the relationship with my professor. She's kind of my professor, supervisor, mentor, thesis chair. She's kind of like my everything in music therapy right now because the program is kind of small. Um, But everyone in my cohort is married. Mm. Every single one is married. I'm the only one that's not. So I've had to deal with a lot of stuff. Like it's been a pretty crappy year, not 2023, but like 2022 in general was a pretty crappy year, except my internship was really good. It was hard, but it was really good. But there was a lot of crappy stuff in my personal life, but there was still a way to navigate where my professor was able to be there for me personally while still maintaining that professional relationship. Mm. Yeah. So Like I would text her about personal things, but she said, I talked about this uh, in one of the classes I'm a TA for this week. Um, She said, I'm holding space for you. And then the next day, some 
stuff went down and I texted her. I said, this isn't professional, but you said you were holding space for me. So here I am coming into that space. I am taking up the space you are holding for me. Here's what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> and so she, she would made that herself available that way. But also then in the, after I shared that in class this past week, um, this is a different professor. She said, yeah, we, we kind of need to clarify what holding space means. Hmm. you know have you heard people say I'm holding space for you yeah and and like it makes sense in my head but I know some people that phrase like does not make sense to them it's like too abstract so tell me Mm -hmm. tell me why well see that phrase I really like the the emotional content behind it like the emotional meaning like I am thinking about you sending you good thoughts prayers that kind of thing holding space for you in my head and in my heart but I am very literal. I like could be an autism thing, could just mean being literal because most autistic people are very concrete. Someone says, I'm holding space for you. I'm going to go knock on their door and say, Hey, you said you're holding space for me. Can I sit on your couch? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So people need to like be clear about what that means. Mm-hmm. Like, how can I take up that space? Yeah. So, that's you have to be I've just gotten a lot better at because I don't want to hurt anyone by crossing their boundaries so I tend to communicate mine up front Mm -hmm. and then that gives them the they're like oh we're having this conversation okay I'm gonna say whatever mine are and then that is how it works you know Yeah. But I love that what you said at the beginning where they said they were holding space. And so you decided to use that opportunity and you very clearly said, this is what I'm using this space for. I'm, I need a space where I can talk about this unprofessional related thing. And you said you had it. So this is when I would like to use that. So I think that's important too, because sometimes people can say things like that. And like, I'll say things like that, where if you need X, Y, Z, blah, 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 And someone will take that opportunity and I won't be ready for it, which is a me thing. You know, if I've offered it, then I need to be prepared for when that comes up. Um, So that would be me too. Like saying, Hey, I have this space to give you for this at this time in my email inbox, only over text, you know, like setting some other criteria for it to make it more clear. Yeah. Some clarity, like feel free to me via X, Y, Z, you know? Yeah. Because when you say something like that to someone, you may mean that in your heart at the time, but then when they go to cash in on it, yeah, you're like, like you said, you're taken off guard. Like, what? Huh? What does that mean? Yeah. You know? So I'm, I'm cautious when I say those things. I say it quite often because I mean it a lot because I have that space to give, but mm. I'm still cautious when I tell people that, oh, let me know if you need anything or, you know, X, Y, Z. Like one of my friends, she recently had an infant die. Like her, her child died. It was a twin. And um, I told her, like, we were friends. We, we were really, we bonded over, this is really kind of sound terrible, but we bonded over the death of another friend because when I went to his funeral, I didn't know a single person there except for her. And then same, same thing. We've stayed in contact. 
and we have other things in common. But when she experienced this loss of her child, I live over three and a half hours away from her. Like, I can't just, you know, go pick her up or go drive her or, you know. So I asked her, I said, what do you need? And she was covered in medical bills. And see, like I talked about at the beginning, I don't have a lot to give. But she was grateful for me just giving her $15 to go towards her baby's memorial. Yeah. You know, like I, I made it open to her. I was like, I don't have a lot to give financially or materially, but I want you to know that I want to help you in how I can. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I actually forgot about that for a second. And then she texted me again, like, you know, talking about cashing in on that type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh yes, I did say that. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. That's so, awesome that you have that relationship. Cause I know most people like would be uncomfortable with the follow-up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, she, she just like the fact that she just, she said, Hey, are you still going to be able to do this? It's okay. If you're not like, she was expecting me to say no. Yeah. I was like, no, I do remember saying that. And here's $15. <laughs> That's what yeah. I can do. So, so I have an example. Um, it's between me and a student. I say student because I work in schools, not because I'm teaching music for anyone who doesn't know that. Uh, so you can give your own example if, if this isn't a good one, but This is about like setting the boundary that I have not preset. And part of the reason I didn't preset it is because it wasn't something that I thought needed to be set. You know, like sometimes you don't know what your boundary is till it's crossed. So he is a student who really um, appreciates physical affection, which is not always appropriate in school. So we do fist bumps, right? And he will come up and put his fist in my face to say like, I want a fist bump. And so to me, that's like, there's this fist coming towards my face. And so I back up and then he's uncomfortable. So we've talked about, Hey, like put your fist wherever my hands are, put it so I can see it. Like, so I see it coming. Um, and so like, I think I've communicated that it's improved, but I don't want him to go through what you, ex- you explained about like the discomfort and being like, Oh no, I've been doing this wrong and um, potentially ruminating on it. So for someone who is setting a boundary, how can they help with like the closure or the moving past it so that discomfort doesn't linger or so the person who has now learned the boundary you know it's really important to address the discomfort yeah from from the person setting the I know this might make you feel upset or make you feel uncomfortable and that's totally okay totally normal for you to feel those things but you know, I'm not mad at you or I'm not feeling X, Y, Z communicate yourself. Like, even though, even, even after you communicate that there's still going to be a little bit of rumination, but it'll be a lot easier to get past. It'll be a lot easier to get past and to move forward from. If you have that conversation, I don't know how old the student is and how much they'll, you have to kind of judge based on maturity and developmental level. about how you would handle that conversation but acknowledge the discomfort and say like you I promise you you didn't do anything wrong because you didn't know yeah like acknowledge that 
the person didn't know. So they couldn't have known not to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like reassuring them that you're setting this boundary because of an action and not because of the person. Like I'm not Mm -hmm. accusing you as a person. I'm just saying like this action makes me uncomfortable. I'm not okay with it. Like whatever it is. And so I acknowledge that like you have your feelings about that and it's not me being upset with you as the person. It's just, how can we do something else instead of this particular thing? Yeah. Right. Just communication is the biggest thing. And people don't always like to communicate because then they have negative feelings and then it's just an endless cycle of people just feeling uncomfortable and feeling shitty and just, you know, on and on and on and on and on. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, what a hot topic. Yes. Hot topic. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm also, you mentioned earlier about social media. And I'm wondering if you want to talk about that. Um, I think that's like super hairy. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. And that's honestly just that, that really depends on your relationship with the person. Yeah. If you have a dual relationship with them too, then it gets hairy. But like, if it's, you know, the whole professor student relationship, I would not do that. I would not. And like, Oh, some of my friends have graduated and they're, so they're like friends with my professors now on Facebook. So my, like my professors keep popping up and the people you may know. Yeah. Yeah. I'll add you, but not until after. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that's really important to me too, to like establish, you know, but whenever my suit, whenever I became a TA, because see with the program I'm in, it's an equivalency program that goes into the master's degree. So all of the students are adults, like where we've all got a college degree of some sort. And so before I was a TA, I was friends with them on Facebook so we could connect and have hangouts and stuff like that. I didn't delete them off my Facebook. I just was more thoughtful about what I posted, even though most of the stuff I post on my Facebook, my Facebook and social media, I use it mostly for personal use not for professional or business use and so I keep a lot I keep everything private like it's like on the most private of private settings where I know some people who use social media strictly for um, business or professional reasons or that kind of thing but I don't necessarily use it for that which is you know that's just my decision because I have lots of family who lives all over the country so I want to use it for personal things, but I just make sure that I'm like really cognizant. Like when I go to like share a funny meme, I'm like, okay, is this offensive to anybody? No. Okay. Is this going to make anybody, of course I'm not like trying, cause people are going to be offended no matter what, you know, I'm like, is this offensive to the people that matter? <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, we all have people on our social media who we just accepted them because it would cause a lot more drama if we didn't. Yes. Um, yes. But ultimately their opinion doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, like there's those people who you've accepted to follow you on, on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, then um, 
you know, but that you, you don't really care about their opinion. Yeah. Yeah. But I go ahead. So I obviously have the Music Therapy Chronicles page, um, and I also have personal pages. And so I'm thinking specifically Instagram for has my Instagram, mine personal, has been private for a long time. And I started having previous guests from the show or like really avid listeners and those types of people adding my personal account on Instagram. And for a while, I was kind of like, well, you know that like that makes sense. Like I do know them, and like I know them on a deeper level and blah, blah, blah. And then I started like the following was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger on my personal account. And I was like, I started feeling uncomfortable. Right. And so like, like you're saying, sharing stuff with my family and my close friends shouldn't make me uncomfortable because I've chosen to add all these other people. So I went through like a culling where I was just like, Hey, any professional things like are just they're just off my personal page and in my description I put only personal connections here so people like if they find it they're they know that you know um and people still add me which I get like that's okay so it's just interesting I guess part of what I experience is like the FOMO like the fear of missing out like what if I do say no to this person or like why do they want to have this personal connection with yeah. me and am I missing out on that um which is some me thing to work through but well, social media kind of gives us that a lot of sense because because then you're like well they know this is my personal account and this is not about music therapy at all I mean there might be a little bit of music therapy but it's mostly just like about you know me and my dog whatever you know <laughs> yes me and my me dog. And my family and just you know having a good life um why do they want to know all that do they want to yeah. be my friend or you know yada 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 and here we go back to communication. Okay, I just had a big thought explode in my brain. You know, when you're in kindergarten, you can just go up to somebody and say, hey, I want to be friends with you. Hmm. But now people don't say that. True. It's like this whole guessing game and you have to hang out in a group and then hang out by yourselves and then yada, yada, yada. And then it's just very confusing. Yeah, it is. <laughs> totally it's like, hey, I want to be your friend. And then also like with one of, and then I'm kind of going on a tangent or circumstantial because tangent speech and circumstantial speech is different. It comes back around. Anyway, um, my one of the professors I was TA for last semester, she's super cool. One of my favorite people. We really get along. We vibe really well. Um, but then she, I was like, we're not friends right now. I literally said that to her. I was like, we are not friends. You are not my friend. <laughs> and she was not offended by that at all. And she's like, well, whenever I'm not an employee here, we could be friends. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, you're not hey, saying cool. it like because you don't like her. <laughs> yeah. No, and I was like, great, because I want to be your friend, but you're not my friend right now. <laughs> you yeah. are my supervisor, my supervising professor. I am your TA. We have that relationship. Yeah. And then on the last day of class, she was still, she, she was like, 
maybe I'll just send you some TikToks at like midnight to like help <laughs> help you know, you know, ease that transition into uh, us being friends. <laughs> Cause I was like, yeah. there's still that power dynamic, even though you aren't my supervisor anymore, you're you were just like five minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I totally get that. Yes, because mm. that was related to talking to people and just like people adding you on your socials and like I added her on socials because we were kind we were colleagues more mm. so but like if like with my professors that are like teaching me I don't have them on my socials yeah yeah it's though, and, like, and then like after I graduate I will add them on my socials so we can stay in contact because I like them. <laughs> yeah, I know. Social media, it just adds such a weird, a weird layer. Mm-hmm. When I was an undergrad, um, and I was a typically aged student, so like 18, right? 18, 19 to start. There was one music professor in particular who always added the students on Facebook and he used Facebook as a communication tool. Not that yeah. he wouldn't send out emails appropriately or whatever, and that's a little bit different though, if you're using but, it for that purpose. Well, so he would post something because he knew more students would see like, oh, the music building flooded. Don't come to class. He was like, more people will see that on Facebook than check their email at 8 a.m. But it also created, like you're saying, this interesting dynamic where like I'm 18, 19, 20. This professor is my friend on Facebook. I'm doing college things. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, so and- like- and they added me, right? So it's like, you know, I could say no, but then there's the FOMO of everyone else is saying, hey, did you see what professor so-and-so posted about whatever? Um, yeah, it's so weird. Yeah, because, and like, in one of my undergrad classes in choir, we would have like a private group on yeah. Facebook, choir, yeah. like a private group where we would, she would post all of our seating arrangements all of this and that and this and that. Some people who had never used social media before, they're like, well, I guess I'm getting Facebook. I tried not yeah. to do media. Yeah. And I'm actually going through this right now, even with grad school. I'm in a grad class and she said, follow me on Twitter and I'll follow you back. Um, because she had us like look up the hashtag disability Twitter and mm-hmm. look up, like see if they're talking about the social model or medical model. Like it was an assignment. Yeah. That's oh, interesting too. Which is really interesting. And one of the people in my discussion group, <laughs> I read it and uh, basically she said, she's mm-hmm. like, I don't have a Twitter and would rather not. I don't use any mm-hmm. social media. Yeah. And I, well, it seems unfair to grade her, like hold that against her in her grades, give her an alternative. Yeah. I'm hoping that they do that. Yeah. Because that's a big thing. Social media is like exploded. That so. too. I, I kind of like that assignment. And I wish that different people were assigned. I mean, this is me. Were assigned different platforms to see if the content on the different platforms has a different flavor. Does that make sense? Like does Instagram have a different take than Facebook, than Twitter, than Pinterest, than YouTube, then that could mm-hmm. be cool. Yes. But, but yeah, you're right. Like I, I don't use Twitter. I am not interested in Twitter at all. Um, and like, 
I wouldn't be able to do that assignment. <laughs> and even if I got Twitter just for that assignment, it would be a very unfamiliar thing for me to be figuring out. And is that a great way to use my time? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that's, that's kind of a thing too. Man, there's so many boundaries about everything. If you, so this is going to be a tough question because like, like we've said, there's lots of boundaries. It's important to communicate them. Sometimes we don't even know that we have a boundary till it's crossed. So right. if there were like a short list of a few boundaries that you wish, like everyone told you their second time hanging out with you, just like, Hey, I want to know these five things or these 10 things, you know, do you have any idea what like your top boundaries that you'd want communicated would be? Physical affection. Oh, I was thinking that. Yes. Because like, I am autistic and physical affection is a literal sensory support need. It's yeah. literally in my diagnosis paperwork. <laughs> like I have a stuffed animal with me everywhere. Oh, it's a dinosaur for anyone who can't see. For those who can't see, I have a cute little green dinosaur. He's adorable. Um, but like I have to, like, I have to have that input. Mm. And so there are certain people in my life who provide that support need. And there are certain people in my life who do not. Yeah. And so I need to know which one of you are, like, are you, which one are you going to be? And what type of physical contact are you okay with? Because mm. in my personal life, I really like platonic cuddling. Yeah. I just do. It's very nice for people who like physical touch. Um, and then you just have to say, like, what does this physical contact mean in this context? Like, honestly, mm. physical affection is like my number one. Like physical contact is like my number one. Like you need to communicate what is expected of me in this role. Also, there's like the idea of like now, like when you're working in schools, you know, it's not always appropriate, but like I'm working in preschools with, you know, four-year-olds and that's totally appropriate. If they come up to me and hug me, then I can like hug them back, you know? Yeah. But you like, you have to communicate those boundaries like into the certain roles yeah is it appropriate for me to do this at this place or at this place and that you know goes on that's the number one number two um when and how can I contact you yes I was also thinking that yeah when and how can I contact you and then third are there conversation topics that are off limits? And that could be, that's really hard to get into. Yeah. That's really hard to get into. Cause see, I like when I, with my friends, I will talk about anything and everything. Nothing is off limits for me, mm. but it might be off limits for them. They might get uncomfortable about it. Yeah. But see, nothing makes me uncomfortable. I like talking about anything and everything. And I mean, everything. <laughs> um, but that might make them uncomfortable. So, you know, you have to talk about that. So like that initial, what conversation topics are off limits? Like that would be, that would be uncomfortable to have the, the first convert, like that first conversation of is stating, I am yeah. uncomfortable you asking me questions about my relations with my spouse, you know, like mm -hmm. I'm uncomfortable with you like that communicating that in itself is going to be uncomfortable, but it's going to save you a whole lot of hurt down the road. 
And it's going to make your relationship with that person a whole lot healthier if you just communicate what conversate what topics are off limits. Mm. Those are my top three. And I think that pretty much covers all of things that pop in my head. What are you, what are you thinking? I'm we're on the same wavelength. Um, so you started with physical touch, which like Yes, I think that COVID has definitely changed my personal boundaries with physical touch. And even that, like, I'm still navigating because I used to be like a very intense hugger and people had that expectation of me um, in a good way. You know, like if someone didn't want that, I'd hope they'd, they'd say it to me. And so now people are like, I'm confused. <laughs> like, why aren't you hugging me? I'm like, I, I just don't. I'm just, I don't know. <laughs> so that's yeah. my physical touch. But also, again, like platonic stuff. Um just so people, you know, don't get the wrong impression because physical affection is like a huge social thing all on its own to navigate. So yeah, I'm totally with you on that. I don't want to just steal your answers, but we're on the same, we're on the same so page. <laughs> you communicate. This is platonic. This is yeah. what this. <laughs> yes. Um, the next one was when to contact. Yes. Uh, because most, most people in my life know that I go to bed very early, <laughs> especially in the winter. I live in New England. It's dark at 4 PM. I'm tired by 7 PM. <laughs> like, so if, you know, if you call me, I probably won't answer. If you text me, I probably won't answer. I'm also not a great texter. Um, so just for people to know that, like, I'm not ignoring you. It's not that I don't want to talk to you. I just like seeing the text message on my phone makes me anxious. <laughs> so like knowing that too, about like, this is the best time to contact me. And this is probably an ineffective way to contact me. And it's not because of you, it's because of me. And then the topics of conversation. I also like, I think in general, I'm comfortable to breach most topics um, and like go there. And if I like, what am I trying to say? If I am having a day or like a certain time where I'm just not ready to do that, be like, oh, I'm not really like, I don't want to talk about that, but I'll listen. Yeah, um, to give someone else the space, you know, to have that. Because if, you know, if I'm okay with it and have the capacity for that that day, why not? Yeah, and like that, that in itself, like the topics of conversation, that changes. That can change literally every day. Yeah. So yeah. that can change literally every day, and like you sometimes have to say, "No, we're not talking about that today." Yeah. Like I, I was dealing with something recently and my parents they have been super supportive of me through a lot of my you know not necessarily job insecurity but like it's instability I guess yeah that's that's it music therapy instability they're interchangeable right now for most of us there's not there's not the whole it's not insecure like there is work yeah but it's not the most stable you know, because like sometimes people just, it's better to end therapy or it's better to change therapists, you know? Or you can't um, fit it in your schedule or you like yeah. X, X, Y, Z. <laughs> um, but my parents have been really supportive of me through all of that. And then like in a recent, I have a group text with me and my parents and it's adorable. We're great. It's cute. Um, but I texted them. I said, okay, here is what happened. And I will not be taking any questions at this time. Mm. Dad, if you are confused, talk to mom. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I 
I confuse reading text messages. So my mom helps them understand stuff better. Um, yeah, and I was just like, not taking any questions at this time. I felt like <laughs> felt like a press, like going to a press conference sometimes with my parents because they're my parents. They want me to succeed and do well. And yeah, like I'm not taking any questions. I'm not talking about it. The end. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I think my parents are some of the people I need to be better about that with. Cause I can think of sometimes where like social cues I was giving was, I don't want to talk about this, which like, is not fair. I should have just said it out. Right. Um, so that's interesting. I love, there's like this quote, I don't remember who said it, but um, it's something to the effect of, if you think you're enlightened, go spend a week with your family. <laughs> and it's so true. Cause like, it brings up all those shadow parts of yourself where you're like, Ooh, I am not this person that I am acting like, but in this setting, all of that is coming up. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. There was something else. Okay. I thought of something, but then it left me. Sorry. Parents saying uh, this happened, but I don't want to talk about it right now. Yeah, yeah. And then there's the opposite. <laughs> like, we, we respect other people's boundaries, but do we always respect our parents' boundaries? Ooh, fair. Especially with my mom. I talk to her every single day. Either phone call or text. I hope that she calls me every single day. If she don't call me and it's like the end of the day, I call her. I'm like, why did you not call me? Do you not love me anymore? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But I will tell her about everything from intimate relationships to work. To X, Y, and Z. Sometimes she's like, I don't need to hear this. (laughs) And I was like, I I don't break HIPAA, obviously. I never do that. Yeah. But when it comes to like my personal life, I will tell her every single thing. And I was like, well, I don't have anyone. Like I am seeing someone, but it's new. And so like I don't have any, I live alone. So Mm. you're my mom. You changed my diet. I think if you change my diapers, then I should be allowed to tell you every single thing in my life. Yeah. yeah. So I'm trying to be better about that mm-hmm. while still getting my needs met of like talking to my mom and telling her and like asking her advice on this stuff, but also respecting her boundaries of like what she does and doesn't want to talk about. Yeah. So that's like, cause we just think, oh, as our parents, we can do, we can, I'm fortunate enough that even though my relationship with my dad is hard because I'm gay um, and he doesn't really like that, but he still loves me. So I'm fortunate enough that I have maintained relationships with both my parents because mm-hmm. I know some people don't even have a relationship with their parents. Yeah. So I'm, I recognize that, but I also like want to honor that relationship by respecting their boundaries, you know, like, I don't call my dad past eight o'clock at night because he goes to bed early. Yeah. Even though I'm, like, wanting to watch, like, we're watching the same TV show. Um, he's watching it at in back in his state, and I'm watching it in my state. And then we talk about it the, the day after. I'm like, did you watch it yet? Did you watch it? And, but, like, I don't, like, I want to call him, like, right after. But yeah. that's, like, late at night, so... Like, I respect his boundary that way of, like, he's going to bed. 
he's just gonna get angry if I put yeah. him on the <laughs> yeah you, get, you find a compromise you make it work yeah totally is there anything else you want to touch on before the rapid fire um I think we pretty much covered what we planned to talk about and a few other stuff yeah there's a lot of stuff to chew on boundaries are hard yes relationships are hard whether you're neurotypical or neurodivergent it's hard and we need to give ourselves grace yeah i'm saying that and i need to give myself grace and that's we like we're our own worst critic yeah like i leave every conversation analyzing everything so we need to we need to give ourselves grace that's like my that's gonna be my motto I just realized that's my motto for 2023 I just realized that yes my motto give ourselves grace I love that okay I'm ready for rapid fire you might I have to change my answers might have changed since last time we'll have to do like a quiz to see if anyone listens to both side by both episodes and can determine if they're different Okay, coffee or tea? Um, I'm going to say orange juice. <laughs> yes. I drink orange juice probably way too much, but um, it is my safe drink. Whenever I'm in the middle of an autistic meltdown, I go put orange juice in my grown-up, like my grown-up sippy cup, basically. My little yeah. mason jar built in straw, and I just sit on the couch and drink orange juice. <laughs> yeah, good for you. Thank you for, for sharing that. That it's a safety drink too. Yes, it's it's great. <laughs> Early bird or night owl? That has actually changed a little bit because I've been in therapy and I can actually sleep now. Hmm. So that it's been more of a I've been more of an early bird recently. Yeah. I get up six or seven every day. I love which, that for you. Because I get and I get more work done. Like I have all of my homework done through Tuesday. Nice. So I feel, feel good. <laughs> yeah. Sleep is so important. A very underrated part of our, um, being as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Something you tell your younger self. Oh, that's. See, I don't, I know. Last time I said it's I'm gay and that's okay. I would still tell myself that. Um, I would, I would tell myself, well, that like being on this podcast makes me feel so cool. Like I had people reach out to me and stuff and I was like, I love that. Yes. This makes me feel so cool. I feel like, I feel like a celebrity or something. Cause like, this is, you're kind of like a celebrity in my book. Oh, thank you. I, yeah, clearly so fancy celebrity. (laughs) But I love, I love that like people are using the resources and your information and reaching out to you for more and making those connections. I, that makes me so happy. Great. Um, probably, oh shoot, this is supposed to be rapid fire, but it's hard to think. Yeah. That's usually the kicker question that gets people. Based, Based on my life experience just this past year. I would be flat out honest with myself. I would say life is going to be shitty sometimes, Mm -hmm. but never quit being your authentic self. 
don't make your don't make yourself small for anybody and don't hide parts of yourself yes i'm still working about that with my queerness but that's a whole other can of worms but and like don't you don't need to mask your autism don't do that it's bad for you you want to take a stuffed animal to your class take a stuffed animal to your class because it ain't distracting you just need to hold it yeah yeah that's what it would be don't don't make yourself small and be your most authentic self yeah i love that i think everyone needs to hear that at every stage in life Mm-hmm. All right, your music therapy elevator speech. Oh, this is probably not going to change that much. I kind of like this question makes me nervous because I'm afraid people are going to like judge me. Oh, I don't think so. I love this question because everyone has a different perspective on like how to give an elevator speech and what they think is important. And there's just like, just like there's different theoretical frameworks for our actual clinical work, there's different frameworks for how to explain what it is we do. So I don't think yeah. there's a wrong answer. Well, within yeah. reason. <laughs> Basically what, cause I've had a lot of people ask me what I do recently. And I've said music therapy is kind of like in the realm with physical therapy and occupational therapy. It's just music is our medium. Mm. We use music to meet those non-music goals. And we often coordinate with different helping professions. And like, speech pathology or physical therapist or respiratory therapist xyz and then they're like oh okay like people if you say it's kind of like because because i because music is our medium and we do kind of fall within that category um yeah that's my It's, it's like physical therapy or occupational therapy but we use music yeah and we study music for years (laughs) And the brain. Long time. And the body. We study literally everything about the person for years. (laughs) Something. Oh, no, I skipped one. Sorry. Favorite self care practice. Okay. Last time I gave like a million. Um, But they're both mostly the same. I've been listening to audiobooks a lot lately. I love audiobooks. And I've been re-watching my comfort show, Supernatural. I've been re-watching that for like, it, it, it has 15 seasons and I'm back on season 11. Nice. And like the newer seasons, when I first watched the show, I didn't really like. But now that I'm re-watching the show, I'm finding more value in them. Yeah. Even though like, it's just a TV show, but it's fun and it makes me feel good. Yeah. Do you want to recommend a book for us? Oh, a book for you to read. All Boys Aren't Blue by George Johnson. It's about queerness. Um, It's a memoir manifesto. That's his genre of it. It's really, really good. I just read it for one of my book clubs. Yeah. So good. good. Because it covers like everything in life. And in in the author's note, I was so impressed with the author's note at the beginning because he gave like a trigger warning kind of for the different slurs that he uses Mm -hmm. um, and how he uses them because he's both black and queer. So he uses like different types of speech 
yeah. um I as a white person cannot use you know yeah like someone who is sh- straight cannot use certain words um but I thought that was and he gave like a little content warning kind of so I thought that was really good of him because it's not for everybody some people yeah. might not be able to know that but I think everyone should read it um even if you aren't queer because it kind of gives you insight into that lived experience um and then for fiction I love any of the Karen M. McManus books that's the author Karen M. McManus she writes a, it's it's kind of YA fiction but I'm 25 and that's a young adult still um I love young adult fiction yeah it's <laughs> so good it's, it's it's wholesome but like even the ending though like the endings of her books you could have them be by themselves or it can be a sequel like it's like one of those cliffhangers that's like you're not going to be mad if she doesn't write another book but you want her yeah. to yeah it's a lot of a lot of mysteries um yeah those are my books okay next question something that's currently adding value to your life okay this has been really tricky because I've been in a really hard spot these past several months um I I got things I'm, I have, okay, I have, you can skip it if you want. I don't want to skip it. Okay, then don't. It's important, it's important to like think about the good stuff, even yeah. when you're going through the hard stuff. Yeah. Um, what's giving value to my life is that I've surrounded myself with people who are understanding of my accommodations and support me in that way. Like I have cute little stories about all of my stuffed animals, my little dinosaur that I got here. This dinosaur is gender fluid and doesn't have a name yet, uses any pronouns. And like, I make up stories. Like I I say, I say that the name, they have to tell me their name and their gender, even though like I know stuffed animals. Don't worry, stuffed animals are not actually talking to me. I have to put that disclaimer out there. They're not- Like an energetic thing. Yeah, it's like an energy thing, but- um. You know, last semester, I would take a different stuffed animal class every time. And then my teacher would say, who do we have with us today? And then I'd, I'd say a little bit, little tiny story, and then we'd go to class and it would, wouldn't be a distraction or anything. Like, they just yeah. let me do what I want, you know? Yeah. Because it's not socially acceptable for me to reach over and hold my classmates' hands during the middle of class. Yeah. You know? But, like, I can just sit here and hold my stuffy and take my notes, you know, and not bother anybody. And just, like, people letting me be my most authentic self. Like, when I get excited and I start happy stimming and, you know, flapping my hands or clapping or whatever, you know, they just, because I'm not hurting anybody when I'm being my most authentic self. So that's, that's what's giving me value is that the people around me let me be myself. Yeah. I love that. Mm -hmm. Your favorite intervention or song to use in a session? Um, 
I am very proud of this invention. I sort of kind of made it up, but not really. I don't think I made it up, but I kind of did. Um, Cause I made it up, it's, I call it the pizza game. And we had like a round drum, like a doom bag or any type of round drum. I use a big giant Buffalo drum now with my groups, but um, I was just trying to fill up something, fill up the space of the time and do something that would help them. And this was in a child's side came in. And this kid was talking about pizza. And I was like, oh, you like pizza? Let's make a pizza. And then I'm like, what would you put on pizza? And then they'll say, I will put pepperoni on pizza. And then I'll go pepperoni. And then they would say pepperoni. Or I would say, how do you put pepperoni on a pizza? And then they flick the drum or they rub their hand on the drum. And then everybody yeah. else copied them. And then my supervisor challenged me to like make a song. And I kind of made a little parody of the form, the banana, form, form, the banana, form. The banana, except I changed it to make a pizza, making a pizza, make a pizza, making a pizza with pepperoni and cheese, whatever and whatever, insert toppings here. <laughs> and then we have to like, the kids have to remember the, what the person behind them did. Yeah. And then it's kind of a chain you add each thing to it and surprisingly then, challenging yeah and then we built on it even more in my classes I was in advanced clinical placement and um we built on it even more we made a menu and then we would pick something off the menu to make yeah and then we would make it like on the drum yeah I love that that made me feel so creative because that's kind of one of my hard, hard things. Like I just look at like what other people have made a lot um, and then just kind of adapt it for my own situation. But that one was like mostly me. <laughs> yeah. I love when an improvisation like sticks, you know, like you just did it in the moment for the heck of it, but then it ends up being this whole awesome resource to keep using. I love that. Yeah. And the kids always would ask, I start back with my kids this coming Wednesday and they start, they always ask, they go, can we play a pizza game? Can we pizza game? Can we make a pizza? Yes. Like, yes. Yes. We can make a pizza. I love that. I love that. Probably will use that. <laughs> All right. Last question is where can the listeners find you and connect with you? They can find me on, they can email me. Um, laura.buckner at uky.edu and they can follow me on tiktok i forgot my tiktok handle oh no my tiktok my phone was loud there we go i turned it down real quick oh yeah they can follow me on tiktok at laura elliot buckner three four because 34 is my favorite number. Most of my stuff on TikTok, that's just for fun. Like, like I said, I use my social media mostly for fun. Um, but, you know, I, I do like to connect with people professionally too on there. Like, yeah. If you private message me, you know, most of my TikTok is about being autistic and gay. Yeah. 
which, you know, that's my life experience. So, so that's what it should be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for coming back on and sharing your perspective and being open to this conversation. Um, Cause I know like actually navigating boundaries in life is uncomfortable. So even talking about them can be really uncomfortable. So thank you for doing that. Yeah. My therapist will be so proud of me. <laughs> you can send her or him or them this audio. Yes. I'm going to say, Hey, look, I'm saying the word boundaries like 12 million times here. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Thank you so much for tuning into this conversation. I really hope you enjoyed it and it got you thinking a little bit more about boundaries, how you set and hold them, how you communicate them, how often you communicate them, all that kind of stuff. And I will definitely, as always, link all the resources and other episodes we mentioned in the show notes. If you're not already subscribed to the show, please subscribe please subscribe. <laughs> please subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Um, there will be some changes coming, coming soon, so you don't want to miss any of that. So please make sure you hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast player. Um, jump on our newsletter at musictherapychronicles.com and keep your eyes and ears peeled for what's coming around the bend. Thank you again so much for tuning in to today's episode and I'll see you in the next one. Mm-hmm.